Dallas Willward, this is a quote I want to start. He said, emotions are good helpers, but a horrible master. Is there anyone you agree about it? <laughs> I mean, if we're not learning to guide and navigate our feelings, because my feelings often, they are wrong, they're not true, they're manipulating me actually. And that's what God said, we have to lead and navigate our emotions. Otherwise, it becomes very, very horrible. I want to do a very simple illustration with you guys. Uh, can you take out your hands in Liberia, microchurch, all over as well? Just take out your hands for a moment. So, I want, I want, you will learn something. Now, put three, three fingers, three fingers. Do you know that three fingers are three letters? It's the word cry, but also the word of joy. Isn't that crazy? Now, put four fingers if you're a printer, four fingers. Four fingers, it's the word hate but also the word love. The other four fingers can be hurt, but also heal. Now let's go up to five fingers. Are you ready? It's getting complicated. Five fingers are the words of anger, but also happy. Let's go to seven. It's getting more. Seven is the word of enemies, but also friends. Let's go up to eight. Eight is the word negative, but eight is also positive. Isn't that amazing? That's for me a message. Uh, often you have a feeling you can navigate your feelings into something positive or also something negative in your life. And today I want to teach about emotional capacity because often nowadays people have a burnout and they're stressed out and all those things and they have no clue why those things happen to them. And I want to use a very simple illustration. If you have ever heard about time management, you will see and hear about this illustration. Time um, means there's some sand. Sand stands for your work, your grocery store, for your leisures, for your hobbies, for all those things. And the stones are for the relationship with God. That means about reading the Bible, um, listening to worship music or whatever. And here's the point. If you put first the sand into a bucket, this is often what people do. They get up early in the morning. You don't have time for reading the Bible. You have done time for listening to worship and you're running into the work. You come home very light in the evening and you're super tired. Is there anyone you, you know what I'm talking about? And they say, oh my gosh, I need Jesus. And then late in the evening, you start to pray with God. You start reading the Bible. And then all of a sudden, you take the most important things. And after a while, you are realizing, oh my gosh, God doesn't fit into my agenda anymore. Check this out. And then people are wondering, where is God in my life? I tell you where is God? Here. And God has no space in your agenda anymore. And this happens to a lot of people. You know, I should read the Bible, I should, should do worship, I should go to a small group, I should go to the church. And then often the most important thing, we do the last one. And this is why it doesn't work. And if you take the same amount of sand and the same amount of stones and you switch it and you start with the most important thing, everything will put and set into the basket actually. And I wanna go into these three levels. The point number one is what you have to learn. Put God in the first place. In uh, John 
chapter 1, verse 2, and I want to start with this Bible verse for the whole entire message. Dear friend, just put in your name, maybe your name is John or Peter or maybe Francisca, I don't know, or Sabrina. Sabrina, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all might go well with you, even as your soul is getting along as well. And the writer is saying, actually, the most important thing in our life is our relationship with God. And that relationship with God has an impact in my soul and also in my body. And my point number one is, let the Holy Spirit fill you every single day. I want to repeat, let the Holy Spirit fill you every single day. You start your life first with God. If you start with God, the rest has no problem to be in your pocket as well. And here's my advice. Before you touch early in the morning, your feet on the ground, be touched first by the Holy Spirit. I want to repeat it. Before you touch your feet on the ground, early in the morning, when you're going out of the bed, be touched in the power of the Holy Spirit. I tell you why. Because every day has some challenges. Even though if you believe or if it doesn't believe, Every Jewish guy, when they walk out from their apartment, they touch the doorstep and they will say, God, when I'm walking out to my workplace, when I'm walking out to my friends, bless the whole day because I'm the light and the salt of this earth and I bring heaven into my workplace. The Jewish people, they believe I'm not the victim of circumstances. The kingdom of God is dwelling and living in me and I will touch and have an impact in my working place. That's why if you get up early in the morning, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you are living different and you walk different and you talk different and you see and hear different, right? And here's my point. Because every day, if you believe or not, you are facing sometimes big, huge challenges. But the good news is the Bible says God puts all the challenges away. And that's the point we love it. God says, speaks one word and the storm is calm. God speaks one word and the mountains are drifting. God speaks one word and you, you're healed forever. But here's the point. When God is putting an obstacle away, do you know what happens first? You walk into an obstacle you walk into a huge, mighty mountains, right? And if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit and you get challenged every single day, I tell you what's happened. Your feelings and your emotions, they're going somewhere. And in that moment, you're realizing, I'm a son and God of the Most High God. God is with me. God is in me. Nothing on planet Earth can stop me. And I'm the salt and the light on this Earth. And before I put my feet on the ground, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. And I know for sure God can speak one word. God can speak one word. And God will speak the one word. And then God speaks the one word. The obstacles, boom, shakala is gone. Right? Here's my point. Don't take too much care about your body and your souls. First start with the most important thing. It's relationship with God, actually. I tell you what is the biggest challenge around the world at the moment. Here's a picture about the dog. A dog had a special meeting with a porcupine. And if a, you know a porcupine? Even if the porcupine is friendly or, or you win or you lose, and this is for me a picture of our relationship very, very often. Relationship falls apart, right? Or you are disappointed about the church, about the small group. 
and there are some, some spikes in your soul, some spikes in your heart. And if you don't learn to dwell in God and you bring all your hurts and frustration to God, those spikes will kill you. And a lot of people, they're getting very bitter and very sour because often we are disappointed by people and from people. That's why Jesus Christ, the night before he was denied, he prayed one hour in the garden of Gethsemane alone. He knew that his best friends, they will betray him. When Jesus was on the cross, we said, Father, forgive them. They have no clue what they're doing. We often think he was so strong. He was strong, yes. But he took one hour to navigate his feelings in the right direction. Often we, we overread those things to Jesus Christ by himself. He needs the moment where we spend time with the Father, Almighty God, for his life. And another thing is uh, our worship leader, Dave Cool, and let's give a big hand for him. <laughs> you are struggling sometimes as well with your feelings. I know you're struggling so often with your feelings. So hard, so hard with your feelings, right? Yeah. Thank you, Leo. I want to share something um, that touched my heart. Last week when Leo preached, there was a verse and it read like that. Why does my heart feel so sad? Why am I so downcast? I will put my hope into God because I know I will praise him again. Maybe you know that verse that David wrote in Psalms. And I can relate really good with that one. Because as long as I can think back, I, had to, I, have, to, I have struggled with a heavy heart, with heavy feelings. I even feel it on my chest sometimes, physically. And I'm so glad and grateful that God took me on a journey and helped me to rearrange my priorities and to I went to counseling and uh, yes I do all these uh, kinds of, of things that you you say to people who are maybe depressed and it got a lot better God is having me on a journey towards healing but it's not good yet and sometimes as a Christian if you have inward struggles you know it's a, a, a bit embarrassing even as a worship leader to say yeah that's just how it is, and I'm trying everything, but I struggle with a heavy heart. And in this process, God showed me something very beautiful. There's a verse in Isaiah 57 where he says, I live in the high and holy places. That's kind of obvious, right? God lives in the high and holy places, in his palace, in his mansion. But I also live in the heart of the downcast. I also live in the hearts of the brokenhearted. And that really talked to me. You know why? Because God's not waiting until you have everything figured out. God's moving in with you. If you invite him in, if you open the door, he's going to move right in with you in your little hut that's smelly and not cleaned up. And he's going to help you to, to uh, take these, uh, these uh, uh, hurtful things out like the dog or to set your priorities right. But the first thing you need to know, God is coming right inside your mess. And you don't need to be ashamed because God thinks you're worthy, then you're worthy. Come on, let's give Dave a big round of applause. You know, I know a lot of people, you heard this very, very often, put God in the first place. But the problem is often people are so busy. 
about your job, about your family, about your hobbies and all those things. And often we forgot that the most important thing has to be the most important thing and put God in the first position in your life. And here is some ideas how to stay spiritual fit in your life. It's a prayer, you're reading the Bible, you keep the Sabbath. It's also very important offline. Uh, fasting, fellowship with God and people, hobby, sports, sleep, nutrition, and healthy workload. And with all those things, I don't kind of say to you, for all those different people, maybe it's a different season where you need different things right now. And here's my point. Put God in the first place in your life. Find a way to win. If you win, God wins. If you lose, the devil wins. And we don't give the devil the glory, right? Because the devil is not our friend, he's our enemies. But we want to please our God Almighty. And I believe in my life, if I put God in the first place, everything will come into a right order, right? But here is, this is a no-brainer actually, but now I wanted to go into emotional capacity. This is a big word right now around the world. The point number two is pay attention to emotional, physical resilience. Resilience, it's a huge word right now. In Romans chapter 12, verse three, and just think a moment about what Paul is sharing to you and me right now. For by the grace given me, as I say to every one of you, Paul is saying, I want to give you an advice to everyone right now here. And if Paul is giving an advice, please listen carefully what he's saying. He said, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought be rather thinking of yourself be sober judgment. In accordance with the faith God has dispersed to each of you. Check out the last word. God has given every single one a different capacity of faith. Often you think, when I say, just believe, what I mean by that, everyone has a different capacity of faith, actually. Also different capacity of how much workload you are able to, to carry, actually. Not everyone can do the same thing. God is saying, he gave one guy one talent, two talents, and five talents. Not everyone has five talents. Everyone wants to have five talents. It doesn't matter if you want two or five talents. The Bible says if you take the one talents, you can multiply to two. You can take two talents, you multiply your four. You take the five, you multiply to ten. That means everyone you can grow in your capacity. But here's the point you have to understand. Very, very simple. For example, here's a woman, she's married, has one child living in a one-room apartment. And in that one-room apartment, if one child, she's saying, oh my gosh, God, I feel like overwhelmed, this is too much. But her best friend, she has seven children, five houses, ten companies, and she is still doing more than you do. Have you ever, you know this situation? The one with five, seven children will say, you have only one child, what's wrong with you? You start to compare, right? And the one with one child said, sorry, I have only one child, but this is too much. That's the workload I'm able to handle. But often the one with the one child thinks, oh, I'm not good, I'm not smart enough, I'm not gifted enough. God has given everyone a different workload. And that's the point. When you understand that, it means you have to understand how much load you're able to carry. And when you put the same amount of sand Check this out, this is awesome. The same amount of sand, of work, of family, of doing sport, 
whatever, but you put God first, you know what happens? All the sand and all the stone are able to be in the basket. It's the same amount. Hey, it's the same amount. Hello, same amount. It's not a miracle, it's only a question. What you put first defines the rest in your life. And here's the point, God has given everyone a different capacity of faith, a capacity of much workload you're able to carry. A week ago, <laughs> a young guy came to me. He, they moved in a new apartment. Uh, they have one child and they lost the second child actually and said to me, oh, Pastor Lou, I am so tired. I don't know what's wrong with me. And I said, nothing is wrong with you. You don't understand the, the stress factor in your life. Have you ever heard about the stress factor in your life? No, nobody heard about that, anyone in the church. Now I want to give you some a graphic about the stress factor. Uh, you're going through, for example, uh, a death of the spouse is a 100% stress. If, if your wife is dying, it's 100% stress. You can say, oh, come on, you will see her in heaven. Sorry, is it stress 100% for your soul and your body? Do you know that? For example, uh, marriage is a stress factor of 50%. Do you know why? In the beginning, you have some butterflies. A week before marriage, you have cold feet. And after you get married, $1 is only 50 cents worth. <laughs> and your opinion, forget it. <laughs> no, a lot of people, they got married. They're coming back and after one month, they pass away, I don't know what's wrong with me. I said, there's nothing wrong with you. You have a 50% stress factor in your life. Or for example, when your child, child is leaving, it's only number three. Why is a child leaving no big deal for her parents? When you leave, they have time and money again. <laughs> That's why it's not a big deal for them. Just kidding. But if you understand the stress factor in your life, this has nothing to do with, with spirituality. Then you start realizing, oh my gosh, it's true. If I'm going to all those different things, nothing is wrong with your faith, nothing is wrong with your anointing, and nothing is wrong with your inner capacity because you're going to a rough season. For example, another picture, what I read this week, for example, stress. If you are stressed out, stress is not something negative. Often people say stress is very negative. I brought you a picture, actually, the thing, um, your body needs some stress, you know that? Stress is very healthy for your body for a certain time. For example, if you don't do any sport, that's not healthy for your body. People say, I don't like sport. Your heart will sing, oh, bring sport. Because when you do sport, your heart beats crazy. You sweat and you had all those things. People say the same thing when you're stressed for a moment, your head is thinking, you breathe, your lung is going to the full capacity, your heart beats to the limit, your stomach is happy and you sweat like crazy. Do you know that's healthy? Have you ever heard that your body needs a little bit stress? Without stress, dear friends, your body will never be in the high capacity. But, here comes the but, if I play squash the whole entire day for 24 hours, that's not normal. My heart will say, oh, come on, I make a break. <laughs> then you have a heartbreak. 
That means if you have too long stress in your life, it damages your brain, you have some issues in your back, you have a problem with your heart, the blood pressure, with all those things, that means a little bit stress is like lifting weight. Your capacity, it's growing. When God puts a little bit stress in the church, in the small group, in your family, God is saying, hey, this is an invitation of growth. You can grow a little bit more. But if it's too long, too much, it has a negative effect on your body. That is why Gaius is saying, take care for your body and also for your soul. In closing, listen to your screaming soul, actually. And here in this picture of this graphic, it's, check this out. Here is only a capacity of 90%. You need a margin. Do you know that? If you have a budget in terms of money, you're going to the limit of your budget. There is always something around the corner you never put into the budget. All of a sudden your car breaks down and you don't have a car anymore. You say, oh my gosh, God, my budget is already at the limit. You cannot live at the limit if you're already in the limit, in the budget, in your soul, emotion, everything, and something happens in your life, you are damaged forever. This in terms of money, but also in terms of your faith. It means you need a little bit of margin. And that margin, there is one word, you never heard that in this church, it's the soul. David is saying in the Psalms often, soul be quiet, soul be quiet. But your soul, often, it's not wrong. Sometimes your soul is crying out because something is missing in your life. In Psalm 75, verse 1, Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me, for I will take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disasters has passed. And when I take this Bible verse for me, it has two meanings. The soul needs a refuge. Well, I know my soul is anchored, but your soul often cries out because your life is not in a balance. And I want to give you some numbers about all the pastors around the world, and I want to start with shocking numbers that you understand. We have a problem around the world in all the churches around the world, even though in the international celebration right now. I want to go into a statistic why a lot of people, they drop out of ministry. Are you ready? They drop out of small groups of church or everything. First of all, financial stress. If you're leading a church with 100 people, you don't have enough money for a salary. And the pastor works very, very hard, and after five years, you don't have a salary. It's a huge stress. Time pressure. He has to do everything. He's like a super, super hero. A nagging sense of failure. He has some leadership dysfunction. For example, um, I have some leadership dysfunction, only a small part, but in a big church you have a team, and the team, they will help you out. Where I'm weak, they are strong. Where they are weak, I am strong. A team means we're helping each other, like in a marriage, where you're weak, I'm strong for you. But in a small church, you're alone. You, have, you feel lonely, and there's a constant of criticism. Now you can take all these numbers, if you're a banker, if you're a mom, if you're working in the grocery store, it doesn't matter. Wherever you work, you go into the same feelings like pastors in the ministries, right? There is no difference. 
And I'm going to show you what happens when people in the churches around the world, it doesn't matter if you're a high charismatic church or if you're a low charismatic church, it doesn't matter. It's all over the world the same story, actually. And why I'm telling you this? Because very often we don't speak about the soul. We don't speak about the body. We only speak about the faith. If faith that can do everything, you have a body, you have a soul. You cannot neglect all those things. You know what happens in, they made a study in the resources in America. 1,500 pastors, they quit every month. It's huge. 50% they get divorced. 40% they commit adultery. 70% of all the pastors around the world are depressed and struggling. 80% of the spouses are discouraged and feel incompetent. And 80% of those people that are going to a Bible school, they quit after five years. Dear friends, what is the, what is the encouraging point in these statistics? <laughs> I want to be honest with you. If you don't take care for your soul, then you're doing things you will regret years later. I want to tell you a story. I want to close. I want to wrap it together right now. So 15 years ago, a businessman came to our church. And he said, I have seen so many pastors around the world and have seen many business people, in, business people in the world. They have fallen in the marriage, sex, drugs, alcohol, and everything. And he said to me, in all the churches where I've been in my life, they speak about faith, 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 faith but they never speak about the body and the capacity of emotions you are able to handle. And he asked me a question. Is there anyone in the church of 3,000 people, they take care for your soul? I said, I don't get what you're talking about. Is there anyone who takes care for your soul? Because I know you're under pressure as a pastor, and nobody speaks about your soul. And if your soul is not satisfied, you do certain things that are good for the church. And I want to see that this church is growing and, and flourishing and developing. And from now in 20 years, ICF is still ICF. I said, I don't care what you're talking about. He said, is there anything you, you, is important for your soul? Like, you want to drive a Ferrari. So now, you, we, now we're talking. <laughs> or you want to buy a house or... You want to go to the Maladies with your wife. What, 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 what is the one thing, the one thing beside your spirit, your soul is missing? He said, just go for one week and think about it. I came back and said, yeah, I thought about it. And that's one thing, when I do this, my soul is breathing. And my spirit is so focused, is when I drive a Harley Davidson. That, that's, that's my soul part. Woo! One guy is here. He knows what I'm talking about. He said, Harley Davidson, Rocky Mountains in America. I would love to go once a year for 10 days. Rocky Mountains, America, Harley Davidson. No helmet and topless. <laughs> That's true. That's my dream. And he said, I pay it. From now on, every year, Give me the amount. And I said, yeah, there's a problem. I don't want to go alone. I want to take five friends. He said, no problem. Take the five friends. And for more than 15 years, every year, he gave me 15,000 Swiss francs for Rocky Mountain, Harley Davidson, no helmet and topless. 
And people asking me, why are you still on fire? It's the Rocky Mountains. It's the helmet and the toppers. You know, you know, here's the point. Often we think, this is ridiculous. This is too luxury. No. My soul has a longing. In these 10 days when you drive the Harley Davidson over the Rocky Mountains, it's like counseling, reflecting all the people they hurt me. And I reflect all the people I hurt them. And after 10 days, my family always flew into America and I said, wife, I am ready. Let's rock the vacation because I had my 10 days and my soul was satisfied and never did something wrong the last 15 years in terms of morality. You know what I'm talking about? And that's the point. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 22 and 24, I want to close with this. May God himself, the God of peace, satisfies you true and true. May you through the whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. And what we do in the church, we don't do a sprint. Believing in Jesus Christ is not a sprint. It's not how fast you are. It's a marathon. Paul is saying it's a marathon. And in the marathon, put the first thing first. It's a relationship with God. Then put all the stress of your body into the bucket. Keep a margin. And then ask yourself, is there anything in my soul who is not satisfied? And then bring this to Jesus Christ because I want to run the race. And I want to go into heaven. God will say, welcome home, faithful servant. You have done, you finished your race. Hey, thanks for watching. Hey, our passion for people is that we see them grow in their relationship with Jesus, live fearlessly and influence their people and the surrounding in a positive way. And if you would like to be part of that vision, we thank you so much for your financial support because that would make it possible. I hope that this message spoke to you really. And if you don't have subscribed to our channel, please do this. And it's always a big blessing. Maybe you know some people in your neighborhood or in your friendship say that podcast could be a very well cool thing just share the link because it's pretty pretty easy and I'm looking forward to see you again tune in and God bless you and see you soon bye bye